this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. What's going on, my reefing brother, Mark? How you been, brother? I'm good. I'm happy to be home back yeah. in ATL. So. You went out of town for a minute? Yeah, I had to go to New York for work, um, New York City, which was it was fun, you know, work all day, but then at night you can go explore the city a bit. Um, I mean, I've been there before, but it's always a cool town to walk around and not live out, you know, live, uh, not live out of, I don't live out of a car, not need a car to get everywhere is what I was trying to say. Right. So uh, Those uh, European city planners, man, they definitely had some things right. Yep. <laughs> Did you come home to uh, normal, beautiful reef tanks, hopefully? You know, I don't like saying this to you because you have so many tanks, but um, what I hate about having two reef tanks is one's always rocking and one's always off, you know? And if the other one starts to, if you get the other one in line, the other one, there's something wrong. There's just the opportunity for uh, more chaos, I guess. Like you don't, if you have one tank that has those swings, you get to at least enjoy the upswing when things are rocking. But when you got right. two tanks, they're not in sync. So when one's happy, the other one's sad. And and your mind is just naturally preoccupied with the the problems that you can fix, right? Yeah, you obsess over like, what's wrong and so you net you know with one tank you have those moments where you don't have to obsess obsess but you know i don't know i so but i mean everything's healthy and the corals are good it's just i got some i think when i changed from alpha reef to that two-part on that smaller tank maybe that changed some stuff but uh, i got a little bit of uh funk growing in a corner of the tank it's like a green slime algae, which I have not seen in a saltwater tank ever. Like it's usually you get, you know, that red purpley cyano. I mean, you got your dinos and diatoms, but this is like that freshwater planted aquarium greeny stuff. I um, get it um, in certain areas of my tanks. Yeah. Um, in areas where like a little bit of detritus is building up. Like yeah. for example, my six foot water box, I call it the flagship reef. Um, it's got four bombies and it's got great flow along the glass. So it, uh, you know, it scrubs the water flow, scrubs the front face of the rock, but in between the bombies, I don't have cross flow. There's not really like a practical way to do that. And for me, though, it's an indication that I haven't had my hands in there for, you know, probably a couple months. And so on my list this week is to just do a token water change again, not to reduce nutrients, but really just to you know, just kind of kick up some of that detritus, remove it, remove some of the sand. And, you know, when you have a six foot tank with just loaded with corals, there's always yeah. a few pieces that have fallen here or tips made or frags made by the tangs or whatever. There's always some little readjustments to be made. But um, I think you and I and actually a lot of reefers with larger tanks try to wait till that list kind of grows. Right. We wait yeah. till, till that list. <laughs> Unless it's something really urgent. We just have like a little laundry list of, of uh, 
general maintenance to do when it's just like trim something back or pick off that bubble algae or nuke that one persistent aptasia. But yeah, I have the greens. It's it's not like it's not the quite a slime, right? Like the super deep green cyano that you see in freshwater tanks. A little bit lighter green, a little bit thinner. Thankfully, when I I mean when I kick it up or suck it out, it's not a thing that spreads and is going to yeah. smother smother other things. So it's uh you mentioned how your tangs always poop in the same corner, and this this is exactly the corner where my um, Tamini tang poops every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think there's just a it's like a litter box, right? There's just a pile of uh, waste, and you know some primordial creature decided like, hey, I can make a I can make a nice meal out of this or whatever. But uh, so I just gotta take care of it. So before we started the session. Um, you know what? I should front load this with reminding people to rate us on your favorite podcatcher. Um, make sure to comment if you're on YouTube, if you have questions or comments. Um, we're going to be doing a large Q&A, which I think is going to be a nice little journey through the general questions of the day. Like we've already mentioned nutrients, slime algae, and all for one. And those questions are some of the ones that we already pulled. But, oh, nice. you know, general, usually when we... When we fire up, you know, our stream, um, Mark and I do a little bit of venting beforehand. And I figured, you know what? I think this would actually be good for reef therapy, right? That's the therapy part of this podcast. And, um, you know, without pointing any fingers, I've just been kind of met with some friction lately on people who... Yeah, I don't know if they just don't want to step up a tiny bit when it comes to coral names or learning a little bit more about their corals. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't let those comments get to me, but it, the idea that if one person says, Oh, you know, you're really pushing identification and I don't care and don't like you for it. I mean, they used more select words. I'm just like, yeah, maybe there's a few other people who feel that way. And it's just like, man, when I entered the reef aquarium hobby, Every article have references. They had scientific references or at least references to other article, like a peer-reviewed journal. And I'm not saying we need to be like scientists, but, you know, supporting something you're saying with other written work, this is, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years old. So you're not just pulling stuff out of thin air. And, you know, using units of par like micromoles or really trying to understand what corals actually are. I mean, that's a crusade. I'm never going to let go. I'm never going to let go of it. I had I had more choice words before we pressed record. Um, but, you know, I think you shared my sentiment when you were talking about um, how you used to love the forums. You used to love Instagram. Tell me about that. Oh, yeah. I just I I um, I haven't been very active on. Uh, and I, I wasn't an active poster on any of those things uh, or contributor, but I was definitely an active reader, you know, peruser. And uh, but I got a little burnt out on the Instagram stuff, and then the forums. You know, you go twenty pages deep looking for like an interesting thread, and uh, so I just took a break from it all, um, not intentionally. I think my subconscious just kind of did it. Where weeks, a month went by, where I'm like, oh, I haven't been clicking on those things lately um and then this week i you know decided to jump back in to see what i missed if there was anything interesting going on and yeah it's just uh it's i used to spend a lot of times on the a lot of time on the forums you know in the evenings uh, when everybody's just 
you know, chilling and it's the end of the day, I'd flip over my laptop and just see what's going on and what, you know, kind of interesting tanks people have. And, and, uh, it's just, uh, maybe it's the format of the forums now, but it's all, all about buy, 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 right? Live sales and anniversary sales and more live sales. And, you know, um, and I get it because, you know, if you're in the business of selling coral, you're going to, that's what you're supposed to do. But I think that, uh, an underlying problem is reefers and maybe just people are more consumers and people are trying to acquire corals more than they're trying to acquire that seed and then grow it out, right? Just yeah. the pictures of even a slightly grown out coral or, God forbid, a large mature colony that really actually needs to be cut up. They're just so rare and far, far and few between. And there was a probably a good seven or eight year window when when I got out of school or when I got off of work, um, I just couldn't wait to jump on the forums. It was just I just loved it. I just loved reading what people are up to their tanks and seeing their progress and yeah before during and after college like i finished my homework I'll jump on reef central you know and just you know see what people are talking about and just nowadays i just see so many lazy reefers man so many lazy reefers who i understand you want to get a second opinion on a lot of things but there's all the it's always questions that have been answered a thousand times yeah. Uh, what do I do about this algae or this coral suffering in a very predictable way? Or, you know, what is the best XYZ product for this purpose? And just like, dude, <laughs> I get you want to get, you know, you want some feedback, but a lot of times you're just going to get responses from people who are more interested in, you know, putting up their post count on that particular forum for some imaginary badge than giving you real concise information I'm, on my on my 10 year career my 10 years I spent at Reef Central I had an average post of one a day over that <laughs> entire period it was yeah it was crazy yeah and I, I, that probably too has something to do with it because I think the longer you've been in the hobby there's really nothing new that the 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 opportunity for stumbling onto some new subject that sucks you in is rare, right? Uh, I I saw somebody posting like I'm gonna set up a tank that's gonna be a fully self-contained ecosystem. I'm not gonna do any water changes. Blah blah blah. And like the a hole in me just wanted to be like, oh wow. I mean, nobody's tried that in the last 22 years. You know, uh, it wasn't it, a commercial product called Ecospheres that people kept, you know, near their window for years and years. Or and you know, years. lots of people have tried that and failed, but you surely will be the first to succeed, right? And, I, and that's just the jerk in me for a second. But I'm like, I don't even want to go in there, right? I don't even want to read anything about that. And I don't mean to offend whoever was posting that. It's just like, we've been there. We've tried that. And then, yeah, you go into the classifieds and it's $600 frags of torches. And it's not like some guy just trying to offload some overgrown corals. I mean, they're in there. Those guys are in there, but exactly, they're, they're rare. It's you know? a bunch of new stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, it's just, um, um, so I promise yeah. this conversation is going to go into more positive yeah, yeah. angle, but I don't know. I don't think it's too much to ask for general reefers 
and especially influencers, to know the difference between mushroom corals and mushroom anemone, right? We've seen like a greater uh, adoption of alternative facts, right? The unit of par is now par. Um, mushroom anemones are now mushroom corals. And everybody's got their, you know, just their, their, a lot of convenient truths. Man, I'll tell you what, I give a lot of advice and I would say maybe five to 10 percent of people really take it as gospel and, and trust that I've been down those other roads. But most of the time I'll tell them some, you know, what I feel is kind of the, you know, the most logical answer, having gone down all those paths, whether it's solving this problem or trying to streamline something else. And 95% of people will just come back and be like, well, I read this on the internet and it said blah, 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 blah. And it's just, you know, oh, whatever, add this to fix that problem. And it's, you know, it's kind of challenging and, uh, we're going to get into some of the questions, but like you really should have some books to reference what people are saying online. Um, well, I if don't. we tolerate that slippage of knowledge, right, or that that slippage of properly identifying things and properly trying to understand the biology that may be going on or the chemistry that might be going on in your aquarium, like it's only going to compound over time, right? And it is. It I already mean, is. You ever see that movie Idiocracy where they can't keep plants alive? I have to alive? watch it every three to five years. I have to. Right. Because they're trying to water the... plants with Gatorade. And then the yeah. guy from the past is like, you know, try water. And they're like, you mean from the toilet? You know, it's just this yeah. idea that, yeah, I, I mean, that's... <laughs> Uh, well, it's, it's like, like shifting baselines in ecology, and you might be familiar with this, right? As a you know researcher, finally gets their PhD and they start doing their own research, and they see the habitat as it is, and then twenty years later they see the degradation, but they don't realize that like three or four researchers have come before them with long careers, and the baseline is way, way, way far away. I'm not saying that we should you know, require references on articles where people are preaching certain points. Um, but just, yeah, maybe once in a while, you know, if it's in print, just, just throw it back a little bit, point people to some other material to support your claim. Um, but I don't know. I think that might be uh, enough venting for today. And I'll tell you what, my, my spirit is lifted by telling you and everyone else. Um, and I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I should point out that we're going to have reef stock in Australia after almost three years um, since the last reef stock Australia in Sydney. That was in 2019. Um, so, yeah, we're coming up on six weeks. So make sure to reef stock, go to reefstock.show. If you live in Australia or plan to be in Australia in early August, because uh, um, part of the Reef Builders team will be there. We're going to have a good time. I just cannot wait to see all my uh, Australian reefing comrades and mates and just see what they've been up to, man. It's been too long. But um, I think we have a set of questions from yeah. the comments. And I'm kind of excited about this because it'll be a nice um, gumbo of different topics, a lot of which we've already touched upon. So um, I don't know if you have your list of questions ready, but yeah. um, I'll take the first one from uh, Toodaloo Mofos. I guess it's by Mofos. All right. Hello, everyone. Would you guys be able to compile a list of good books? If there's an article out there that compiles a nice list of books, please provide a link. And um, I mean, the first thing I would say is like, there's not, I don't think there's a single book that really even talks about LEDs. That talks about using LED light, maybe yeah. other than a moonlight. 
but um, I reference my books mostly for IDs and for kind of deeper chemistry questions, right? So the set of Debelius ID books, the small ones that you can see right here, these are, these are great. Um, and then the Scott Michael book for fish IDs. You know, it's one thing to identify a fish. It's also like just kind of transports you to know where they came from, where they live, what kind of habitat they live. So it's not just about knowing what a fish is what or a coral is what. Um, so definitely the Scott Michael books, definitely the Debelius books. Um, if you really want to get into the nitty gritty, uh, Varen's Corals of the World. And um, I think it's probably about even as far as the modern coral reef aquarium and the reef aquarium. Um, when I just want to reference something and just kind of double check what I think I know. Um, and last but not least, definitely, um, well, two of them for, for new coral ID um, is the uh, Coral Finder 2022 edition. And... Um, the marine aquarium systems and reference, because that goes deep, man. That is like the baseline of knowledge. And I know you have some other uh, suggestions of, of books that you crack open from time to time. I, you know, I surprisingly crack open the modern coral reef aquarium and uh, the Sprung Delbeek uh, reef aquarium books, even though the equipment recommendations are outdated. Um, one... I enjoy reading their take on the chemistry of reef keeping. And then also, I like old school reef tanks. <laughs> I like the way they look. So uh, I forget which volume of the modern coral reef aquarium. I think it's volume three, maybe, where they just showcase a bunch of tanks in the back. And man, I hate to say it. I, I, I love looking at the pictures of all these old school reef tanks in there. And it describes, you know, their equipment, of course, and what coral species by Latin name and fish, which is kind of fun because I remember when I first got the book and it's like, oh, I keep these fish. And it was all the Latin names. And I'm like, crap, I got to look some of these up because I don't know some of the common species by their Latin name just, you know, instantly in my head. Um, but yeah, I enjoy those books. I really like the... Um, Again, if you've got money to burn, right? One, look for these books used on Amazon because you'll find them surprisingly cheap sometimes on Amazon from some used bookstore. Um, but uh, I also like the uh, Walter 80 book, um, shoot, Dynamic Aquaria. Mm -hmm. Again, it's a dated, I'm going to offend somebody by saying that, but it's a dated concept. You know, I, I would add not advocate the uh, evangelism that's in there sometimes about turf scrubbers because I'm a huge turf scrubber fan. I have a original Inland Aquatics in the closet here in my office. But I, I you know, from everything we've kind of come to terms with, I would not run one without potentially some chemical filtration skimmer. So, so some of the recommendations in there are a little bit off and using scroll pumps to not, you know, impact the plankton and all that. It's a little bit... Uh, I would extreme, but I would say that there isn't a great book for starting a reef tank as like a modern reference. Yeah. But between the modern coral reef aquarium volume three, uh, Tony Vargas's uh, the coral reef aquarium um, volume one and then volume two is coming out, and in Mike Paletta's book, what uh, was that? What was that called? Modern aquariums? Mm -hmm. I don't remember what it is, uh, but they have examples. They have examples of what reef tanks 
used to be like in the 80s and 90s and 2000s. And I feel like those would be so informative. One, to see what the tank turned out to be, right? Um, and two, to see how they did it, right? So even if they were using, let's say, per, you know, uh, big uh, external pumps and today you're using uh, mostly propeller pumps, there's still, you know, you can make some of that translation. But as far as like, uh, you know, aquascaping inspiration and even like putting corals and fish in your radar that aren't commonly available, um, those three books, also any old issue of FAMA, you know, and let's just say pre-2010, you know, pre-25, those are going to be, those are going to run you one to three or four dollars a piece. And it's just fascinating to see what the conversation was like. And like you said, with the books on eBay right now, except for like Corals of the World, like every one of these books is going for five to 10% of their sticker price. You can buy a lot of great books and magazines for about a hundred dollars. And guess what? <laughs> they will last longer than most of your frags that you're, you know, shopping for on Instagram. Yeah, and if you go into it knowing, okay, the equipment has shifted, right? So it's not like you're going to go f mimic some tank you see in there by equipment. But um, there's no collectoritis tanks in those books, right? You see mature colonies. You see these interesting aquascapes. And I guess that's why I always end up picking up those books and looking. I mean, there's there's tanks in there that... I love just to pick up and look at, you know, um, and, and appreciate the overall uh, goal that they accomplished versus, you know, oh, but I've got this super rare frag of this over here and it's, you know, two inches. Um, that's, that's, you know, it's funny how we went down this path, but I feel like it circles back to some of the venting we did early on. Yeah. I feel like there's this misconception that livestock retailers are somehow great like reefers that there's something to aspire to right so if you, think, if you think about it the best reefers are busy taking care of their tanks right mm -hmm. by by and large and some of the best coral vendors are doing some of the same they're like oh well you know the, my customers will find me but the ones who make the most noise and are always blasting their sales they're pushing the actual fruit stand aquarium that we used to deride right we used to kind of uh, ostracize those people who bought a bunch of coral, stuffed them into a tank and be like, Hey, look at me. My tank is full. I got all these different corals. You know, that's, that was never something to aspire to. Now it is. It's like, Oh, how many different strains can you have? And all of them are basically genetic samples. Um, so yeah, the best reefing advice is probably not going to come from commercial companies unless you're trying to have like a commercial operation and you want to mimic some of the things that they're doing. And I mean, sense? if you, yeah, if you go on YouTube, you can quit and you grew up with the books that display these mature colonies and the, and, and some of these, the variety of corals that they keep is very, or the, the amount of different species of corals they keep is very low. Um, the, the tanks you'll see sometimes on Instagram and, and, um, YouTube, you can definitely see that, okay, that guy got caught up in the wave of, acquisitions right of oh i gotta have that frag and i gotta man i really think that coral's pretty i gotta have one of those and i gotta have one of those and i'm i'm not gonna sit here and say that's wrong because i don't if whatever makes you happy right it's just um 
we talked about, you know, shifting baselines and generational amnesia. I think maybe part of some of these old books is kind of fun. Yeah, the the lighting spectrum is definitely on the yellow end, right? You're not going to see all this phosphorescent, but it's just interesting to see what tanks look like back in the day. Um, um, I don't and know if it's seeing... worth $80 for a book to just see that, but if you, like I said, if you can find a used price for 20 bucks, it, you know, it might be worth just to flip through and, and get some enjoyment out of it. I'd be surprised if any of these hardbound books are still going for more than 20 bucks, to be honest. I've thought yeah. about buying extra copies of the Reef Aquarium, the modern, uh, the modern Coral Reef Aquarium, um, just to share with folks. And I just want to make it clear that we're not saying that this is necessarily a bad thing. You know, maybe you have one tank that's for collecting corals and another one that's really growing. I love the reef aquarium hobby going down every alley, every avenue, going in every direction because yeah. it enriches the entire hobby and the entire community. But social media is really perverting what a reef tank can be. I'm not saying what it should be, but what it can be. And, you know, this is why we got probably both of us got tired of reef threads as you just saw tank after tank after tank build thread. And, just, you know, there's a few updates after the water's going in and the rock's going in. But once the uh, assembly process is done, I mean, the, the user just oftentimes they just fall off because then they start having challenges because they spent so much time focusing on the bells and whistles. And I love how we took a question about what books to get and just <laughs> turned it off this path. Do you want to put a pin in it? Um, do you have anything you want to say uh, on that point before we jump into another totally different question yeah i mean um I, i've thought about this a lot just because i recently started revisiting the forums a little bit and just see oh what did i miss right so um but um I, you know when i was listening to music in high school and college and you know back then the grunge bands were big and all that i was like i'm never gonna be one of those dads that just you know just gets annoyed by what the kids are listening to these days. And now I'm in my forties and I listen to what my daughter listens to and I'm cringing, you know? So I, I get that maybe what if, if 90% of the reef keeping population loves what's currently the trend and I don't, I get that I'm the odd man out there and that's fine. Right? Like I'm like, there's, I'm not sitting here going to saying like, that's wrong. You know, if that's what makes people happy, whatever. I just, um, uh, you know, it, sometimes, you know, sometimes something you're passionate about goes in a direction that maybe isn't where you would take it. But uh, as long as I can continue to enjoy it my way, right, as long as I can still pop in my music. Right. And we the, will uh, we will be here <laughs> pounding our fists, yeah. defending our hill that we'll die on of what reef tanks can be. But you're right. Um, there is right. no. I do not have a book in my collection that I would hand a new reef keeper when it comes to equ current equipment. I don't have the new books uh, from like I don't have the new. Um, uh, what do you call it? What's it? What did he call it? The not the mod. Uh, I got the sig sign. I don't have it in yet. This you just recently got it. Um, what is that book? Ah, it doesn't Coral Finder. No. The Coral Reef Aquarium. Is that what it is that's coming out now? Tony's? Yeah, Tony's. Yeah, yeah. So that book is, it, that's a great book for the ages, right? Because it's less instructional and more demonstrative as yeah. far as like, here's this reef tank, here's the method, here's the equipment, here's the corals. 
and then you flip the page and there's another book. So I think that's what we're where we're at with the current uh, climate on books. Another good you know look at weird, like different tanks books is surprisingly the Angelfish book that Two Little Fishies I believe published. It's a Japanese author. Yeah. I love the biotope tanks in the back for the um various types of angelfish plus I'm an I love angelfish, right? But there's some cool tanks back there. Um, and it's, it's, um, cause it's Japanese that, that, you know, just the filtration and everything's, you know, unfamiliar. And yeah, I like that book too. Anyway, yeah. that, that's all, all we'll, right. we'll say about that one. <laughs> I'm going to let you leave with the questions cause that was not the first question on my list. I don't know if, you yeah, know, I mean, you might've got them in opposite order. Yeah. All right. So here's a totally different topic, which I think will get less uh, preachy. Um, can you guys go over different types of salt, which one you guys run and why maybe most cost effective. I'm new to this. So I start with the used tank I bought and have a bag of Brightwell on the way. Thanks guys. Love the podcast. Happy holidays. Oh, that must've been, <laughs> that was from six months ago. And that was by garden and, um, so salt. Yeah. Just salt. Um, I'm trying to think of a salt I haven't used. I think I've used everything short of just anything that's brand new, you know, to me. <laughs> it would be like uh, Aquaforest and maybe some of the newer brand salt. Um, I use Accuracy because it was developed by Julian Sprung. It's made by his company and he personally mixes it himself. And I, I, don't, I don't look at the numbers. I don't look at numbers when it comes to salt mixes. You know, obviously you don't want to pay through the nose for a bag or a bucket of salt, but I really look at what it does to my water vat. And I feel like the cleanliness or the dirtiness um, tells me almost everything I need to know about how they source their materials. And I'll tell you what, um, I ran out of Accuracy 1. Julian, if you're listening, you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, I bought not Accuracy 1. And we did, we mixed one batch, man, one 200 gallon batch in the vat. And immediately I was like, man, this vat is dirty. What, what's happening in here? And I told Evan, he's like, oh yeah, that's not, that's the other salt we just mixed up. And I was like, holy crap, just in one match, it was just caking up the sides and just brown overall, not algae, just brown. And I filter all my salts. I always have to help with the mixing, but just to catch the insolubles and help them dissolve. And yeah. there's always, you know, with any kind of bulk, dry, raw ingredients, there's always going to be some contaminants. And that word sounds worse than it is. But I'll tell you what, man, when we mix accuracy one, we can go a year without cleaning that filter sock with this other brand that we just, you know, used as a filler. Oh my goodness, man. We're going to probably have to clean that filter sock every, this is a seven inch filter sock, probably every like three batches, you know, every five to 600 gallons. And so I feel similarly about instant ocean and uh, reef crystals. I would never get reef crystals. I would always get instant ocean over reef crystals. They just, they, that's a silly markup for calcium and magnesium and carbonates that you're already adding to your tank but I will always filter it out, right? And so that's how I approach that kind of salt. What salt are you using and what, what do you think about salts? Um, so I'd say up until maybe four years, maybe less, maybe three years ago. So literally for, I'd say 
almost all of my reef keeping time, you know, 20 years or so, I used uh, Instant Ocean. And it just worked. Uh, the downside was I had a lot of precipitate and, you know, brown stuff at the bottom of my trash can. But it never, I never had any negative effects from it. Uh, then I watched a bunch of YouTube videos and people were talking about, you know, some of the other salts being cleaner. Um, so then I switched probably like a lot of folks to Tropic Marin and I, before I started using it, I, I did a vinegar bath in my salt trash can and cleaned it out really nice. And sure enough, you know, much, it mixed up much cleaner. So I, I was like, I'm sold, um, I was willing to pay the extra dollars for that, I, even though, it, you know, how ugly your mixing can is isn't really uh, a big deal, I guess. But I just appreciated the the clean mixing. Plus, it mixed clearer quicker, so I felt like I could use it sooner. Um, and then all the turkey stuff happened, and I got a little gun shy about yeah. using it. Um, not that I had any problems with it. Um, but I just got gun shy. So then I recently started using the Red Sea Blue Bucket. Um, but again, no major issues with that. And that seems to mix clean. My trash can is still clean. So yeah, I don't really, I agree with you. I don't like the supercharged salts, like the Red Sea, I guess that would be their Black Bucket or the Reef Crystals. Anything or, that's like a re any yeah. company who has a regular salt and then offers you like a premium salt, dude, it costs them like pennies to add a little extra calcium and everything. And it costs you dimes or quarters to boost it up, you know, to that level. And yeah. so, yeah, I think we have a, a general um, I, consensus. I, I would on say the I, there must salt. be. I've always been a fan of Red Sea also. Yeah, I, li I really like the Red Sea Blue Bucket, and it's a little cheaper than the Tropic Marin, so that makes me feel a little better. And apparently, you can look up the test results for that batch based on the code on the bucket. I don't, but I thought that was neat. But salt must be a lucrative business because it seems like everybody makes a salt now. <laughs> Even Waterbox makes salt now. <laughs> Ooh, let's 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 turn it back. Yeah, not everybody makes a salt. Okay. A lot of people are selling salt and labeling salt. Do you uh, think okay. Waterbox has a salt factory? I don't know. <laughs> I just like everybody and their sister makes a salt or or, or sells a salt, right? Packages and sells a salt, and I'm it's um, they're the only incentive I see in doing that is that it must be a lucrative business. But um, one thing I'd like to point out you know, is there's a I'm only patriotic about the aquarium hobby. Right. I do like American made stuff when it comes to aquarium products because that's where my fun money goes. So things I can't afford, I can't like help like my electronics, whatever. That's how it is. But um, let's see. I think Instant Ocean, uh, Fritz, and Accuracy, I think those are the only American made salts. Mm -hmm. And so when Waterbox had uh, announced their salt, all I could think of is like, it costs a certain amount to ship a shipping container across the sea. Weight doesn't matter. So if they figured out a way to pack the tanks or around the tanks or in the stands, well, actually, their stands you have to build yourself. But if they figured out a way to you know, pack salt in with the aquariums, that's the only way it would make sense. Right, because I I don't know enough about it. It's brand new, brand new announcement, but I highly doubt that they have a you know a salt mixing factory next to their, uh, you know, glass tank manufacturing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
The, the, the one but other thing said, I'll... I want to say that. In, yeah. Go ahead. Instant Ocean. There's a lot of great results with Instant Ocean. It is by far the cheapest salt. It's not as cheap as it used to be, um, but it's widely available. And from where I'm coming from, is if you just use a simple filter socks to filter out that stuff, or just you know don't pull from the bottom, um, it's usable. But I love accuracy because it's clean. And my goodness, it is so clear the way we mix it in like 10 minutes. You know, I will use accuracy salt within 30 minutes to an hour of mixing it. You know, no, no hesitancy about that at all. But a lot of other salts, you know, what, what we, oh, oh um, Seachem is probably also made in America. It certainly is. Um, but, but Vitality and Neo Marine, they're, they're, is that yeah, oh, God, yeah, sorry, sorry. I, sh I shouldn't have gone there. I knew I was going to forget <laughs> some. So <laughs> no, don't blast fine. me if I forget some salts. But yes, Brightwell and Seachem uh, surely are made in the United States. But those are kind of enriched. You know, they've got a certain quality when you mix them up that you can hear the uh, magnesium heptahydrate chloride or whatever, just, you know, like singeing when it hits the water. And I don't know, something about that just doesn't sit well with me. And I don't, I don't, I've never gotten that from red sea salt. Um, I, you know, these are totally like subjective things it that is I'm very pointing subjective. to. And I'm just like, these have always been my guiding. Like one of the reasons I used to love red sea salt is because when you opened up the bag, it smelled fresh. There was something about it that was non-caustic and it was, you know, uh, what's a piece of the Red Sea in every grain of salt. That was always their tagline. And just little things like that just made me more comfortable with it. But just, you know, instant ocean is fine. And I know a lot of coral farmers who use it, but they process it a certain way. And, uh, you know, they just have really dirty uh, mixing vats to show for it. But I do know one company, I think Live Aquaria was using one or the other for a long time. And it was caking up their lines like crazy to the point where it cost them a lot of time and money and energy to keep cleaning the vats and keep cleaning the lines so they can actually, you know, pump it to wherever it had to go. And, um, but I don't know, I think for general use, uh, most of the salts that are available in our hobby are going to be really good because if they have a problem, it's usually a really big blowback. Yeah, and I would, I mean, part of the, uh, there's such a good list of uh, salts that people have had success with. So pick one that your local fish store carries heavily, you know, um, that's that's another deciding factor. I don't know if my local fish store carries accuracy, but because I've never tried it, but I know that, you know, they've got the Instant Ocean line. I know they have the Red Sea line and the Tropic Marin line. So those are sort of the ones I've bounced around from. I think they have all the other ones too because they're a pretty awesome shop. But but if you have a smaller reef aquarium shop that's around the corner, if you're ever in an emergency, right, you got to do a massive water change, I mean, yeah, you can always go to Petco and PetSmart and just buy some Instant Ocean and it'll be fine. But It'd probably be preferable to do that massive water change if you have an emergency with the salt that you always use mm -hmm. um, so that there's not a big jump in some parameter. And so if you're running off to your local fish store, you're going to buy what they have. So it makes sense to maybe pick something that's readily available in your area if your fish store only carries a certain brand or, you know, a limited number of brands. So, yeah, no, I think the point of that, that our answer to that question is just stay away from the enriched salts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just buy the baseline one and you'll be fine. So we have another question that I feel like is actually very intelligent and just like kind of well-researched. Not that the other questions aren't great either, but you'd have to do a certain amount of uh, research to even ask this kind of question, I believe. It comes from uh, Stephen Pavin. 
Question for Jake and Mark. If I feed one mouth in a colony of favia a piece of shrimp or scallop, does the whole colony benefit nutritionally, or do I need to feed each mouth individually? I can't find this answer clearly anywhere, really, so I thought I'd ask an expert directly. Do you want to take that one? Oh, man, I don't really know... Let the your answer. gears turn because there is some answers to this. Um, so for like colonial corals, like SPS corals, um, they are definitely, you know, almost one animal, right? A whole colony of acro is almost functions like a whole animal. So if one part of the colony is doing really well, it certainly will feed another part. On the other end of the spectrum, um, we've long since known that for NPS corals like dendrophilia and tubastrea, you really need to feed each polyp individually because it will it will share a certain amount of nutrition with daughter polyps. And as those daughter polyps get larger, um, they start to be, you know, a little bit cut off, right? You've probably seen colonies of tubastrea or dendrophilia where the skeletons kind of died back in between the polyps. Like those polyps are no longer connected, right? So I feel like, uh, you know, favias, moon corals, brain corals are going to be somewhere in the middle where it's probably better to feed most of the polyps. But if you hit every few polyps, you're going to get some pretty good mileage, right? You know, if you feed a lord polyp, um, you know, smaller colony. The, the other thing is, too, you know, if, you're, if your lord colony is a foot across, um, if you feed a polyp on one end, that nutrition is just going to be absorbed on its way to the other end of the colony, right? So this is a kind of a gradient kind of question. If you have a few polyps, feeding one is probably going to um, nourish the rest, but the larger that colony becomes, the more you want to kind of, you know, spot feed different sections of that colony. But I mean, that was my question is, so Favia is like, there's, there's that interconnecting tissue, right? So there are potential pathways, but something like a, uh, a Lord, uh, is there, I mean, I have some in my tank and I'm, I guess I'm having a brain fart as to what, when they're pissed off and closed up, are the tissues, do you see connectivity in the tissues or is it more like, uh, a candy cane or something like that? Right. So the candy cane would be the opposite extreme right. where if you or, feed one polyp, it is not going to the other one. Right. So there's a gradient yeah. of connectiveness. Right. So like your acros, man, that tissue goes deep deep in the skeleton. And I know that there's some channels for just passing around fluids and tissue and energy. Um, but I don't, we don't really know to what extent, you know, a favia or favites or montastria is really going to share that food. So I would say the safe bet is for like a medium sized polyp. Just try to, f you know, feed one every other time, a different polyp every other time. But definitely for NPS corals, it's always been advised to try and feed each one. I wish Steve, we, uh, Steve, wish Steve Weiss was here because he would have some great feedback on how to, how to feed your NPS corals. That guy keeps them in acro tanks, and I'm just like in awe. <laughs> in awe of how he keeps dendros in an acro tank. That's, that's, a, that's beyond my skill level. But do you have any other thoughts on, on feeding colonial corals? No, no, I think you said it good about the gradient. Like I was even thinking about the difference between a wall hammer and a branching hammer, right? Just two different situations. And so I think you, you nailed it. 
All right, so here here we have a good one. Um, we should do a reef therapy session uh, talking about the future of the hobby, uh, kind of crystal ball looking into the future. It'll be like and... idiocracy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what will be the next big thing in filtration, fish, corals, tanks, lighting? Will LED lighting evolve into? I think, you know, maybe there's a future podcast about the future of the reef aquarium hobby. But um, one thing is... I think we're going to have less selection of corals and fish because you already see it. You already see the breeders and the collectors really targeting the things that will already sell. And the chance of going into a store and seeing something you've never heard of is getting its so much rarer than it used to be. And part of that is because all the goofy names with the corals, if it doesn't have a, if it's not trending, right, then the collectors in Indonesia or Australia are just like, I don't want to sit on this coral, right? I'm going to harvest the stuff that sells. So you already see an attrition. I, I see it in the freshwater hobby too, man. Used to go into an aquarium store and there'd be dozens of weird silver fish from all parts of the world that you had never heard of. And now it's definitely a lot more of um, captive bred, line bred kind of uh, fish. And I think with the freshwater plants, it's maybe a little bit more open-minded. But once again, no one's doing an aquascape with plants that they're not familiar with. They don't, and so we, I feel the same way about the corals, but you know, maybe the trendiness will hit every group. Like uh, you and I remember a time before shrooms were even on the radar at all. Yeah. No one, like we're like, oh no, we don't want that. We don't want, I don't care what color it is. You just keep that over there. And now, you know, it's like they're selling by their polyp. Like, and so maybe the, you know, the hype bubble will settle over different groups, but I don't know. Like I pulled out that book, Modern Coral Reef Aquarium. Um, it had a pair of Clemenes, anemone shrimp on it. I'm like, dude, how long it's been since I've seen one of those in a store, right? Sexy shrimp. Boom. There, there you go. There's your anemone style shrimp, but I have not seen the pair or the Pedersons, um, you know, anemone shrimp from the Caribbean. That's just it's right it's there, easy. Yeah. Just, it's right there. So I do think we'll have probably less selection. What do you think about on the livestock front? I, you, you may disagree with me on this. I'm just, and I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but I think uh, environmental legislation is going to eventually catch up with us and come back to haunt us somehow. And so I think maybe, you know, like I'm not that interested in SPS corals as much and all that, but I think part of the appeal of some of the big fleshy LPS corals that are solitary to me is that I, maybe in the back of my mind, I feel like the days of getting those things in are numbered. And I don't mean immediately. I don't mean like this year, next year, but I just... I can see there starting to be a restriction on export and import and a heavier reliance on aquaculture and, uh, and, and mariculture. And so I, I could see in the next 20 years or so a shift in availability just based on changes in, you know, what's allowed to be imported or what's allowed to be exported out of a country. Um, I hope, you know, that, I'm wrong about a lot of that, but I just, my gut tells me that there's a lot of powers pushing for 
that kind of change, right? Um, I think this will be true if everybody is just focused on getting that next frag instead of participating in the general broader livestock community, pet hobby, you know, and everybody digs their head into the sand. But I think, you know, over our lifetimes, I think there's always going to be a new third world country who has more reasonable environmental harvesting laws. Um, you know, I remember a time when it was like unfathomable that we would ever get corals from Australia, right? But before Australia opened up, there were no Lords, no Mosleyas, no Duncans, and none of these fancy acros, no Scolemia australis. So I, I still like, I, my mind is still kind of before Australia opened up. Yeah. And I know they're having some um, speed bumps, some road bumps right now. And I just think there's always just going to be a third world country like uh, Myanmar or Vietnam or I don't know, Philippines is third world. I don't know those countries third world, but like more of a developing nation that's going to be like, yeah, sure, you can grab a few corals, no problem. We grab a bunch of fish and kill them every, tons of fish every day. Like, What's the big deal? You know, so, um, you know, Papua New Guinea is just opening up. So I think we're, we still have some time before every door is closed. Yeah, I just, uh, I wonder. But you're you know, not wrong. You're 20 not years, wrong. 30 years from now, you know, where the the idea of uh, I collect, my pets are collected in the wild and I keep them in a glass box, right? There's a, definitely a sentiment of people that want to stop that and and uh, don't see the uh, reason that, That's for okay that because exist. all sushi comes from the wild. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> right? Also, she comes from the wild. No one's like fretting their hands about that or their, 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 their tuna. I'm, I'm speaking mostly about tuna, right? Because like you can't really – I don't know if you can do a sushi shop without tuna, right? All that stuff is, is from the wild. So, you know, until the ocean is completely closed off for business, I don't see that happening. But on the, on the filtration and on, on the equipment front, I think we're seeing – one of those new future devices happening in real time. That's automatic filter rolls. They make a ton of sense. That's the kind of automation I can get behind. And it's, again, it's less for nutrient export and more to keep the whole tank clean. I've said this a bunch of times, but you know, the Clarity was the first good one, really good one, right? And then Red Sea took that to the next level, and that's probably the one to beat these days. But we're just still seeing the tip of the iceberg. Imagine um, the you know the Red Sea reef mat third generation or fifth generation. Like, how is that going to change? It'll probably still use the same filter rolls, right? Because they don't want to change all that up. But I think one of the biggest revolutions that I've been waiting for. For a dozen years, you could have asked me this question uh, in 2010, 2012. I would have said, oh, my God, automatic filter rolls. And we're finally seeing it happen. Yeah, I I like everything about the one I'm running except for the smell. Oh, my God, the smell. Um, you know, with the stand yeah. doors closed, it ain't a thing. But when you go down there, reached in to, you know, grab your skimmer cup to clean, <laughs> I have to hold my breath. Um but you know, and that just could be unique to my system and what I feed no, I mean, and all I that think fun if stuff. But man, I, I could not run one upstairs in the main part of the house. My wife would not have. If it's spooling it. up a lot of used material, like yeah. say you have a super high flow rate or a lot of poop, and you are in a more human part of the world, it's going to not be able to dry up before it spools up, right? So I think in the future we might finally see people relaxing their flow rate through the tank 
in an effort to not use up their automatic filter roll as much, realizing that they're getting 99% filtration out of it. Um, and, you know, maybe adding in a little small fan to just uh, help dry it off as it's spooling on. But you're not wrong about that. Um, I think LEDs will become, I mean, on a long enough timeline, I think it, they will become like backgrounds that we put on the back of our tanks of old. I think you'll have, there'll be a spool at the local fish store and you'll cut out a sheet and you'll fix it to something and then you'll just connect a couple wires and it'll be not OLED, but like a hybrid version, right? So micro LEDs embedded in some kind of material that is flexible. And then you just put that on, I don't know, uh, it'll almost be like a lamp right? Probably there'll be all kinds of colors in there, but you'll be able to tune the color of the whole thing, but it won't be like changing the color of a screen. I still, you know, if anybody has like a broken newer iPad pro with all those micro LEDs, I'm really curious about like taking out the LCD screen and putting over a tank and seeing how much mileage I can get out of it. Cause I know that I'm meant to be on all the time or at least all day, every day. Um, but I think that's that's what we'll see in lighting. I think LED is going to be the engine from here on out or something really comparable to it. I think um, the whole bacterial spectrum is starting to get interesting. Um, it used to be, you know, dosing a carbon source to fuel the bacteria that you already have. Now that we have a bunch of bacterial supplements that you can just dose direct, um, now we're starting to test what the bacterial composition of tanks are. Um, optimistically, I'm hopeful that something kind of comes out of all of that, right? Where we, I mean, we're already kind of there, I think. Um, I, I wonder if the fact that, you know, some of us are struggling with nitrates and phosphates because they're too non-existent. I wonder if part of that is just maybe that we have bacterial strains that we have available to us now that are, you know, supercharging our tanks a bit. I don't know. Um, Let me just say it is very disturbing to have someone in one sentence talk about their juju bean polyp thingy and yeah. then try to talk to me about red field ratios. I'm like, what? Do you know how advanced that is? Like you, you, you need like several layers of education, research, understanding, knowledge, wisdom to start talking about red field ratios, right? You can throw it out there. Okay. Yeah. We have an NPK ratio out in the wild, out in the ocean, but to really understand it, like, I'm not saying uh, I have some exclusive information. I'm just like, I barely know enough to know that I don't know enough about the, you know, red field ratios, especially as it pertains to our aquariums. Yeah, it's a, it's a good actually a good Wikipedia read up because it's it's more just a almost like um like the whole pie cylindrical thing showing up in nature in random places, right? Like we see this ratio showing up all over in 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 organisms, but that doesn't necessarily in my opinion equate to that's the recipe on how to make spaghetti. You know, it's like uh yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I don't think you can go wrong there in the sense that you, you need more nitrate than you need phosphate, right? But um, if you have an imbalance, it's probably an ideal thing to shoot for. But, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think the whole bacterial spectrum is starting to get really, really interesting. Um, I especially will say, for folks that don't do water changes a lot, right? So, 
Yeah. I will say that I've had this, um, dude, I'm so glad like I'm ahead of the curve. My whole goal was to have this 400 gallon tank running before you came out here with one frag. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's like to me, to you and me, it's a frag, but it's like three, five inch branches of like a staghorn, right? So there's a colony inside, but, um, it's been salted for three weeks, I think. And I've had that coral in there for two weeks. Yeah. There is not an imaginary speck of algae in that tank. I have not added a piece of rock. I have not added a piece of anything. I even went so far as to not adding cleanup crew for two reasons. One, there's nothing for them to eat. Two, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I wonder how many people are kickstarting the algae in their tanks by adding cleanup crew. Right? Because oh, yeah. we've Snail known for a long time. Have plenty of algae spores, that right? That these algae spores, they you know, they don't all get digested. They go through yeah. the gut. So, like, how many people are starting up a tank, adding cleanup crew, and it's basically a spore speed bomb of everything possible and your tank? And the people are like, oh, well, I never added it to my tank. I wouldn't put it past Aptasia to have, like, a small cyst phase that can be rasped along with algae and then make it through the gut alive. So I've not added any cleanup crew and zero algae in the tank. However, it's when it, it went, where, when we did the video last week, it was a little bit cloudy. And then on the video, I added a little bit of Microbacter clean and a little bit of start XLM, I think. Um, and dude, two days later, the tank was crystal. It was crystal clear. I'm like, dang, we should have filmed like one day later. And now the tank is back to being cloudy again because all I have in that tank is basically bacteria duking it out, a skimmer pulling out, you know, whatever it can. And I'm just looking at this tank. I'm like, am I, should I add more bacteria to clear the water? Because it's, it's, something's weird about that. And like, usually you add bacteria to absorb it nutrients. Gets cloudy from the bacteria. And it becomes boom. cloudy, right? Yeah. It creates a kind of biofilm. So I'm just like looking at this tank, which you'll see in a handful of weeks and uh yeah this this new tank built on the dozen of reef tanks here at the studio i'm already learning new things that is mind's blown but i um we i still want to get through a few more questions but one yes, thing i i can guarantee about the future of the reef aquarium hobby is controllers have nowhere to go but up and if you look at the ecotech marine uh, product lineup they're, they're, it's a decentralized controller. Everything's already controllable, right? You don't need a central hub. They would absolutely benefit from having some kind of smart power strip with sensors, right? So we need a water level sensor, temperature sensor, a pH sensor as basics. But um, all these water testing machines that test water in a robotic um, analog to what we do, that is bound to die. You want to invest in something, the future for sure, I'm putting my, I'm, you know what, I put my whole, whole entire career on this, not that we're really betting, is going to be something like the Mindstream. Some, because those, those chemosensitive uh, materials, they still exist. They're still used in other applications, right? So a company can still like come up and find the source of these materials and they can offer like an intermediate service where it's not an ICB test that you send your water away, but you get these new foils, but you do it at home, right? So the technology that the mainstream was based off is sound, but yeah, these, you know, micro sensors for alkalinity, for even oxygen, for CO2, those are being developed for other industries. And it's just a matter of time before, before, 
uh, until either we have kind of some new physics and technology to measure that in really you know minute ways. Man, they might even be battery powered. You might be able to stick it in and they'll turn on for like a second, do their thing and turn off for another minute, you know, until they take another measurement. And then you're talking about a battery that lasts a year. They won't even have to plug in, right? I guarantee you that is inevitable, right? Like the tricorder, you flip it open, boom, scan. Like that future is coming, however far away, but the miniaturization of things and the, um, speeding up of things is inevitable so yeah their water testing landscape is going to look very very different but the the reef bot cage guardian mastertronic alcatronic trident i mean they're just robots that test the water the way that we do that is definitely not the future yeah and i'd say red sea is doing a good job of maturing the kit aquarium right the all-in-one aquarium right because if you look at their lineup you know they've got the sun i mean i was already impressed that oh my god i don't have to cut pvc anymore if i buy one of these tanks and oh i have this nice glass sump but then they came out with a skimmer line then they came out with a doser now they've come up with a roller mat and uh they've got their own lighting they've got their own additives but i definitely see the opportunity to package up a kit of somebody you know needing very little experience on purchasing quality equipment um and then and then just having an app that guides you potentially with videos to steer you in the right direction now, obviously that video is gonna really convince you that you need some things right because they're in the business of making money which is good for them recurring revenue right but no but, you're uh, totally right the days of Today diy video reefing online. is over right so Sorry. It's niche. I wouldn't say it's over, but it's absolutely niche, right? But I was thinking similarly today because I did a feature video on the UNS Aquarium that has just a few corals in it. And I was thinking to myself, like, who has a nano tank these days that doesn't have an all-in-one chamber? Yeah. Right? I mean, everybody's setting up one of these pre-made kits from Waterbox or Red Sea or... Um, Hagen, you know, the Hagen kits that are sold at Petco and PetSmarts, those are getting a lot of repurposing. But like who is setting up a small nano or even medium sized aquarium that isn't an all in one? Yeah. And I was uh, I really got my bells thinking. I'm like, oh man, who's who's putting a canister filter on a 20 gallon long or a power filter and then just, you know, piecing things around it? Um, not many. No. Really, really not many. So you're right. And the thing that you described about like kind of an all-in-one system with an app is um, something we've I saw at Interzoo like six or seven years ago for terrariums or like an aquavivarium. It had an app for the it measured the humidity, the oh, temperature, the life cycle. That brand. Yeah, and it was all-in-one, but yeah. literally all-in-one. Because the one thing that's still bothering me about all-in-one tanks, they're not including a heater or like a real lid. <laughs> it's yeah. not everything you need you know unless you want zero fish to jump out and you want to like put some blankets around the tank to keep the, the tank warm right so so yeah there's still room and then, you know what i think there's been a few kickstarter campaigns trying to make a, f a really 
complete all-in-one aquarium. So yeah, you're totally right. Uh, on the smaller end of the range, we're going to see a lot more, um, you know, really thorough com- uh, all-in-one tanks. So I want to thank uh, Stephen Pavin for a you know very well thought out question, dude. <laughs> we, t- we take like 20 minutes per question. <laughs> I love this. I don't think they expect um, any less from us because some of our talks are two, three hours, right? So <laughs> comes with the territory. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to skip past like the longer questions so we can get more questions in. Um, so this question from Ryan Felt is asking uh, about our views on UV sterilizers and if we run them. Do you want to take the lead? Sure. Um, they are absolutely not necessary, but I like them and I do run one currently. Um, my, I avoided them for a very, very long time uh, until I ran into a dino issue that I've probably talked ad nauseum about that I had in the past. Um, my particular species of dino or flavor was uh, not the kind that was remediated by UV sterilization, but I did see a lot of interesting benefits to running a UV sterilizer. And one was obviously water clarity. Um, similar to ozone, the water clarity was amazing, especially when you're looking down the side of the tank to the other side, just the the turbidity was gone. Um, I feel like it doesn't cure, you know, a parasite infestation, but it's just another weapon to make your tank less hospitable to them so that as you feed well and you, you know, fatten up your fish and their immune response kicks in, you're just giving them that extra crutch, which is nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. It reduces the amount of microalgae that grows on the glass. Um, Therefore, based on that observation, it's probably reducing the persistence of some microalgae in your tank overall. There's just a lot of perks to running one. That said, I'm probably going to disconnect mine soon um, because I'm a sucker for simplicity and it's just one less gadget that I've got to worry about. I recently had a little incident, I think I talked about it, where uh, I turn all that, you know, I turn off the usual suspects of equipment when I do a water change or do any maintenance. And then, you know, I have a in my Apex uh, option to turn everything back on. And my little pump that feeds my UV sterilizer did not start flowing, but the light did turn on. So no water flowing through a UV sterilizer is bad, right? So the plastic got super, super hot. And I was very fortunate that I noticed it. But again, it's just a reminder, the more crap you run on your tank, the more things you have to worry about, the more things you have to maintain. Now you've got a bulb you got to replace probably every year, depending on your opinion on the matter. So again, I don't think they're necessary. I do like the benefits that they provide, but I personally will probably pull mine off and keep it in the closet. And if I ever have a ick outbreak or something where I feel like a UV might help be a valuable weapon in my whatever problem I'm trying to solve, I can just plug it back in, you know. So there's my stance. <laughs> I think you answered that very close to, to what I would say. I have dozen systems, right? It doesn't make sense for me to have a UV sterilizer on everything um, trying to, I mean, I got 200, 300 things plugged in across all the aquariums and it doesn't make sense for me to have a UV sterilizer on all of them. However, if I had 
I would actually answer, I'm going to answer this question very differently from what I would have done two or three years ago. Because two or three years ago, I would have said, yeah, you know, it's superfluous. It's going to clear your water a little bit, knock back a little microalgae, knock back a little bit of parasites. But having dealt with a lot more diverse corals now, if I had just like, you know, say I had one primary system, I would probably run UV on it because, you know, I like that reduced ecology. I don't want stuff growing everywhere except for my corals, right? And I could care less about the planktonic state of the yeah. water. And, you know, if you're really into the acros or some of the higher energy corals, that, you know, that crystal clear water makes a real big difference for light penetration. Um, so I would say it really depends on your application, right? If you have a big fish tank, I mean, even if you quarantine, it's probably a great idea to have oh, even yeah. a, a medium-sized one. Just knock down the, because there's a lot of bacteria that can get through that aren't harmful. But then when your, you know, your soup of your aquarium water gets a little bit more enriched, you never know what might pop up, right? So it really depends. But I, I, if you have like kind of like say if you have a show reef tank or if you have a new tank that you where you put all your new corals into that's a great place for uv sterilizer that being said uv sterilizer is furthest from set it and forget it right it's great the moment you fire it up then it starts decreasing in output and efficacy the moment you know you run it for a while not only does the bulb bulb lamp <laughs> it's just funny to think about that now you know it starts losing power immediately and then the quart sleeve that goes around it is also going to start to build up you know just some gunk then so you want to clean that up right so it's just one more piece of maintenance but i would say for um the larger reef tank and the more you the more that's writing on the aquarium the more it probably makes sense to have one with very few drawbacks other than the point of failure that you mentioned which i kind of blame on you because you have your uv sterilizer mounted above your sump right no no it's below right? my sump it's uh it sits right next to my sump. How, well how did it run out of water Was oh no the there's water, water in it but without water flow that bulb heats up the oh, water okay. that's, that's in there to a point that yeah. is because there's a minimum flow rate on UV sterilizers that you have to maintain or else the unit gets too hot and the plastic can Right. Yeah. Know, so that's the only counterpart. If you live in a warmer climate, you you got to factor in how much uh, warmth or how much it's going to raise your temperature, right? So that's a great question from Ryan Felt. And like I said, I'm, I'm proud that I've kind of changed my perception on it over the last handful of years. And there's been not times, but I wouldn't mind if I had a big, perfect UV just magically installed on, on my largest system just to knock back everything possible. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan Felt. All right. So this is for you because I don't have any experience with this, but we already touched on it. But it's from Superfans over at Queen City Reefs and More. I've seen some of their corals. I think we saw their corals at uh, Atlanta. Um, and they had some really reasonable prices and some really good corals. So uh, the question was all about All for Reef by Tropic Marin. Man, I swear this thing comes up. People love that one part dosing. I use it. My understanding is that it is a one-part solution. All same effect in my LPS only tank as Mark described. Would be cool to have you look into it and provide your feedback. Do you just want to touch again on Alpha Reef by Tropic Marin? Yeah, I. so I had some weird issues that I cannot 
definitively blame on the product and the issues I had did not negatively affect my tank at all. So it's one, it may not be responsible and two, it wasn't a big deal, but that was just, I was getting this weird oily film, just similar. Like if you ever see like drops of oil on a surface of water, right? Like they, like that, they don't mix, right? It kind of goes back to the salt you know, thing like if I see funk in the vat, I'm not getting the the warm yeah. and cozy feelings. <laughs> exactly. Like it was like, eh, where's that coming from? Um, but I I also will add the caveat that this is in a tank with fairly low flow, not a lot of current. Right? It's a, it's supposed to be a little quiet lagoon tank where I get a lot of flow going every once in a while, but the rest of the time it's um it's a nice little top down view so that might have something to do with it right i have read and seen a lot of responses of people who love the product i will say that once you dial it in it was awesome i mean you're dosing one thing and my calcium and, and alkalinity were in lockstep um my corals were growing fantastically i had good coralline growth I was uh, I was impressed that I was dosing one thing. It wasn't influencing my salinity, right, by adding too much chloride. Um, so I was a fan. The only weirdness, like you said, is like, oh, what is this funk, you know? So I switched back to two-part, and I haven't seen the oily residue come back. Again, that's not definitive evidence of one way or the other, um, but it's just interesting to me. Uh, maybe if I had more surface agitation and I had more flow in a tank, uh, I would never have even seen it because that stuff would have gotten churned through the um, automated filter roller or the skimmer or picked up by something else and I just would never, or broken up into smaller particles. I don't know, you know, so it might just be the particular scenario that my aquarium was. As a bystander looking in, I'm just suspicious that, like, I first saw Alpha Reef at Interzoo 2018. So it's been on the market for about four years, popular for two. But for me, I'm just like, if it's so great, you know, Tropic Marin doesn't have a monopoly on chemistry. But why had we not seen it before? And why have we not seen any copycats and th the reason I say that is because any time there's a good idea in the reef aquarium hobby, it gets duplicated almost shamelessly, right? Let's think about ICP testing. Which company doesn't offer ICP testing now, right? It was so huge, so fast, like everybody's got an ICP test. And so that's just one of the little, I would say, I'd call it an orange flag, not a red flag. That just makes me wonder, mm, is it just that hard to make or is there there's some trade-offs? But... In, in talking with you, it, it sounds like it's working. I'm not convinced that it would work for like the largest of aquariums. Yeah, right? I wouldn't. I wouldn't run this on the SPS tank unless you got a lot of bucks, a lot of dollars in your bank. Oh, is account. it expensive to to, no, to use a lot of it? It yeah, you would. I think you would just burn through more of it and. You know, two-part can get pricey in that scenario too. But we have options with two-part, right? I mean. Some yeah, dry have, options, right? Yeah. Like uh, I think Brightwell is the only one that offers a powdered form of two-part that you mix yourself. Yeah, and there is a dry version of Alpha Reef, and there was during the shortage. Uh, Tropic Marin was very transparent on how to make your own. Hey, grab this, grab that, mix your own. 
So I, I definitely appreciate the level of transparency and also of what's also in it, right? Because I hate all these uh, additives where it's like, oh, trade secret, can't tell you what's in it, you know? Um, um, I, if, I do appreciate that I have not heard any horror stories. No, right? I it's mean... Been, it's been out there for a long time. I have not heard of anyone having serious problems. And so, yeah, this one-part dosing solution, I would just feel inside, I, I would feel more comfortable even approaching it if Brightwell picked it up, Seachem picked up something like it, Triton picked up something like it. It would just kind of bolster the claim that it's not some kind of weird magic. And I'm just, I'm literally talking out of my posterior because I don't have, don't really know how it works. I just know that it is working for people. So it might be a great it's, solution. It's got but, glowing reviews. I mean, I, I feel like I'm the edge case that had to say not something bad, but just wonder if something bad in my tank was related to it. I also didn't like the whole I mean, if you're so used to just testing your alkalinity and just assuming your calcium will fall in step, right, with two-part dosing, the fact that it takes a while for the alkalinity to show up because it's based off of a biochemical or biological process of breaking down the formate um, of calcium formate, it's you can't like... When you do two-part, you can add some two-part and then wait a bit and test your alkalinity, right? But that's just not how Alpha-Reef works. So you have to figure out – you have to be more patient in dialing it in and finding yeah, the right dosage. The, the last thing I want to say about it is like maybe for some smaller tanks where you're always kind of running a little bit on the lower end, it makes sense to use an all-in-one solution, Alpha-Reef. But I'm rarely dosing both right? I'm usually raising my calcium or my alkalinity, rarely both. So, and also this will not really train you for the future, right? When you have one thing that's low, but not the other. So you won't be able to use Alpha Reef to raise your calcium if your alkalinity is already high, right? I, I will say back in our beginner days in the nineties, I wish this was available when I was just starting out, right? Because I went and tried like the calcium chloride solutions and all the crazy crap that before ESV really started to gain momentum. Coral Vital. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, um, you know, I mean, the, the best reef tanks bef were telling me, oh, you got to dose calcwasser every night. And I'm like, I don't have time for that, you know, to do the little <laughs> drip, drip, drip. And then I tried all these liquid calcium supplements and all this crap. And it all just didn't work until I discovered two-part solution and, of course, eventually a calcium reactor. So from a beginner standpoint, I think this product is pretty cool. You know, if somebody just sets up a Red Sea Nano and, you know, here, buy this bottle and dose it and dial it in with some test kits, that's pretty cool. I think it's a great product to get started with. But to your point... As your demand goes up, you're going to graduate maybe to something else unless you got the money to keep it's, buying it's it. It's probably a great starter product to boost your confidence and your success. But in the long term, you will need to learn how to manipulate those values separately. If I mean, honestly, I, I was dead set on running it on this tank exclusively until I had that weird question mark. But if that's just unique to me and that was that didn't happen, uh, smaller tanks, I think it's great. I really do. Um, because smaller tanks are also more susceptible, I believe, to salinity creep with two-part. So, 
Yeah. Anyway. No, absolutely. I dose a ton of multi-part to, you know, some of my larger tanks that are filled with corals. I'm like, I'm ready to do some water changes to bring down that solidity. And also looking at putting calcium reactors on them in the near future. So I don't have a weird buildup of stuff, but I think uh, I think I wouldn't mind revisiting the Q and A again next week because sure. you and I take so <laughs> long to answer one question. Um, so if you have any questions that you want answered, um, I think we could do another one next week where maybe we'll uh, put a little timer on it and just like you know kind of Ding. blow through some. Time's up. So put those down in the comments. But I think a great one to end up on is, "Hey guys, when are we going to see Mark's tank? Very curious. The suspense is killing me." And and um, Mark's not going to shill himself, but I want to let everybody know if you want a little bit more of um, the better half of reef therapy, um, <laughs> definitely go see Mark's uh, interview with Keith Berkelhammer on Reef Bum because there's some videos there of his current tanks and some pictures of his legacy aquariums. And uh, yeah, just kind of a little, nice little session to listen to what Mark has to say and think. And I loved it, man. I loved that session. I'm sorry. That video, that live stream with Reef Bum. Um, I, I just loved it when you were just like, oh, yeah, on that dope-ass reef tank that's filled with acros. Uh, I used to test alkalinity like maybe once a month. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though. I'm like Things have gotten so complicated, and there's definitely an art form to what we used to do, and I think that's a really great um uh, solo reef therapy with Mark and Keith. And he was, he was starting to get into some like legit therapeutic questions about coral dreams and stuff. I was, I was really enjoying it. What I laughed about the most was, or not, I, I wasn't laughing at anybody. I just was like, wow, that's crazy. Was, um, I was reading some of the comments after the, uh, this week. I was like, oh, you know, let me see what the comments say. And, uh, all these people replied to Keith saying they had the same dream he had about discovering some fish tank in their house that had been neglected and they didn't even know that reef tank was there. And then there's this panic of these starving fish. Oh. I've never had that dream, but I can see, I can see how that could be, a, I guess, a common dream. But it was amazing to hear all these replies of people who had the same reoccurring dream as him. I um, think I don't have that dream because I don't let any piece of equipment go untouched for more than a handful of months like nothing gets by me but i have the comparable dream where you know i forgot to go to class in college and it's like several weeks into the semester or i forgot to study for the exam or something um but yeah no it was a really fun listenable enjoyable i would say uh satellite session of reef therapy with mark and uh, i love some of your answers and some of your feedback to what he was saying i can't wait to see you on there again without my influence it was just cool to sit back and just you know let you talk and um you know talk about your history and like i knew a lot of it but it was cool to be reminded of it so um skinner jw if you want to see more of uh, mark's tank definitely go check out that reef bum that's enough plugging for keith um but uh yeah i think uh, i'd love to would you like to do another q a next week yeah I, th I like these these are good um and it gets me thinking about stuff that maybe I'm not thinking about, you know? I, I mean, love that. Yeah. I love 
stirring the pot in different areas of my brain that's not necessarily you know us going down a rabbit hole about one thing for 20 minutes so yeah if you have any questions go ahead and put those down in the comments below we'll try to you know cover a little bit more of them next week i think that'd be really fun and uh, thanks to everybody for for tuning in um there was one question about merch and you can go to store.reefbuilders.com and find all the reef therapy merch that you can uh, rep at your favorite reef aquarium events any anytime it's it's there <laughs> maybe we should put a link down in the comments or in the description so thanks everybody for joining me good to see you again mark and uh we'll do another q a next week sounds good man good talking all right bye everyone <laughs>